Hi there. We'd like to welcome you to the virtual kitchen table. We are Erin from Everlearning, Haley from Taking a Kinder Path, and myself, Ashley from Ashley as Mama and Storytime Shelves. We're gathering to have conversations about family life and home education, most specifically unschooling, which is sometimes known as self-directed education, or as I often refer to it, consent-based learning. We'll be sharing experiences and ideas, learning as we go. We hope you'll pull a chair up to the table and join us. Okay, here we are back at the virtual kitchen table. Hello, Ashley. Hi, Erin. Hello, everyone. Hi, Haley. Hello. How are you both doing? I'm okay, thanks. Yeah, I'm not too bad, thank you. I am suffering with a little bit of back pain, but hopefully you won't hear that when I'm talking. (laughs) Okay, we will keep that in mind. (laughs) Sorry to hear that. And we have Missy Willis um, joining us around the virtual kitchen table today, which is really exciting because I have been reading Missy's um, work on her website or her blog, I guess, for a while and seen her in some other spaces as well. So just really excited to have her Um, chatting with us today. We are going to be talking about um, screen time, and I'm air quoting that for (laughs) the three people who can see me right now, just because I think different people call it different things and have different um, ideas, maybe around the terminology, but that's kind of the most common term that we're hearing right now. So we're we're talking about uh, kind of all things tech today. Um, Missy, do you want to Tell us a little bit about yourself, whatever comes up um, before we get started, kind of diving into the screen stuff. Sure. Thank you. I appreciate you inviting me to be here. I really love this platform. The idea of a virtual kitchen table talk makes so much sense to me because I feel like parents require some one-on-one with each other and face-to-face time to just talk about various different topics that are pulling at their heartstrings or they're curious about in this particular topic, of course, I think does get a lot of people wondering and it pulls up a lot of questions and concerns. So, um, so thanks for inviting me to this particular topic. Uh, I am an unschooling mom to two. My kids are now 20 and 16. My oldest is in college and also practicing or studying for his physical, I'm sorry, personal trainer's license. And my youngest is just living and learning and deciding which direction to go based on what her goals and interests are. Um, I also write and share on Let Him Go Barefoot, which is an Instagram page, a Facebook page, and um, also uh, a website. And then I do the Let Him Go Barefoot podcast too. So it's another way to connect with families and to share information and really just kind of get to know people and connect people to information and each other. Okay. Oh, thank you. This is, this is all come together and kind of connect about this today. And um, Missy, like you, I have older uh, kids as well. And Haley, you've got some definitely on that end of the spectrum as well. And so I think for me, when I think about this topic, something that I've been noticing quite a lot over the last few years is the shift in the way that um families that I know, at least in my own family, are thinking about technology. So one of the things I've noticed is that, and maybe maybe it's just me that kind of missed it, but back when my kids were little, now my oldest guy is almost 24, so this was a lot of years ago now, um, I don't even remember the word screen time. 
so like we had, we had a computer and we had video games. And then as they kind of got on into the years a little bit, they had, um, you know, people might remember the Nintendo DS and then they got um, iPods, but I don't remember um, like the word screen time or as much conversation. And I would say that I like kind of across the board. So if I look at different spaces I was in with my kids, so like our homeschool group, um, stuff with church, stuff with neighbors, I just don't remember it coming up. And what's interesting to me is that I feel like we kind of have this idea of this kind of radical end of, of unschooling and sort of unlimited screens is something you hear a lot about. And then I think the assumption is, is that maybe with more structured parenting, there would be more rules and kind of less um, freedom maybe around screens. And when I think back to our earlier days, we were, we were in a homeschool group with all kinds of different homeschoolers. We really didn't, I, we, we were together to do things. We didn't really identify by um, philosophy so, I mean, I can remember being at some very traditional homeschool families' homes and the kids would game for hours and nobody ever, like even the really structured people never used the word screen time. Or I can remember picking my kids up from birthday parties at fairly structured, you know, families' houses and they would have been playing for hours or watching movies or whatever. And you never heard anybody say like, um, oh, you know, they're going to be overloaded on screens. We better have a screen-free day tomorrow. Like, I just don't remember anybody saying that. So the last few years, when I've seen what how big of a conversation it is, <clears throat> I get curious about that. And I mean, I think a lot of it is how many screens we have now, right? Like it's, we're so surrounded. So I think the conversation has changed. And I think if you had asked me a few years ago, I probably maybe not even as long ago as a few years ago, I probably would have said, and I still feel this to a great degree, um, that when kids have freedom of choice around things, often they come into a place where they self-regulate or we can kind of communicate. Maybe if they're not quite self-regulating, we can communicate about those things. I'm trying to open my mind a little bit more just because um, I can see how many people are struggling. So I think for me, this conversation is also a learning process that, you know, for my family, having a lot of openness has really worked, but I can see that for other people, um, it's not always working as easily. And I think maybe times have changed <laughs> and there might be some other pieces to that too. But anyway, so that's kind of a little bit of a background as far as where I've been thinking about this now. I don't know if we want to start. I have like, I have a few quotes. Um, we could talk about what I just said, or, you know, I could read a quote and we could discuss from there. Does anybody have anything pressing from, from what I just said, or should we go ahead with a quote? I think I do want to just, um, one thing that came to mind when you were talking, Erin, that I don't want to forget about that is just sticking out to me because I don't think I've actually thought a lot about this. Um, but just how you're acknowledging, I guess, the pos like the potential change that's happened or the shift that's happened and what families are like, because I'm my guys are nine and seven. So I feel like I'm in the middle of this right now. And um, so so it is a, a big thing. I'm doing air quotes now. It's a big thing for us um, where meaning I'm thinking a lot about it. But now I'm questioning after listening to her and I'm kind of thinking like, well, why was that shift? Like, why is it? Because I remember it not being about screen time and this worry about screen time. And 
I think that's just really, I just want to highlight that. I think that's important to acknowledge um, because I think a lot of us are feeling this way um, about, okay, why wasn't it, why did it not seem to be a thing before? And why is it now? Um, because I think it just could provide some comfort, I think, for parents as to like, it's okay to be thinking about this a lot. It's okay to be questioning it about, uh, like about it and not just like thinking to yourself, I shouldn't be worrying about this. I just shouldn't be worrying about this. Um, and I, I don't know the answer to why that shift happened, um, but I think there was a shift. And, and I just made a note as you were talking, Erin, about, you know, the research that's come, to, come out about screen time and how much um, is an appropriate amount of time or a healthy amount of time for children specifically to be on screens. Um, but when, and I'm no expert in this at all, um, but when you look at the research findings, it doesn't all lead to that result that screen time is this thing we need to be really afraid of and that there's lots of risks. Research doesn't show that, but there were messages put out there. Like I know, especially as a, um, when my first was born, we were screen free. I got all those messages because I was very into the whole parenting thing and wanting to make the right choices. And so I would read all the things and I got those messages. I can, I can remember that. And I'm not saying I was going and reading the research studies all the time, but just the general message from whoever those parenting experts that I was reading articles, books, whatever. And there was this over like this, this from my, from what I received anyway, this idea that you had to be careful with how much time you allowed your children to be on, you know, any type of screen, whatever it was. So I just wanted to um, kind of highlight that because I know for myself, I can feel um, maybe like guilty or something about why am I worrying about this so much? Why am I thinking about that so much? And I, I just wanted to kind of highlight that I think there has been that shift and we, we have been, and we all respond and react differently to those types of messages. Um, so yeah, before we got into quotes, I thought I would just acknowledge that because I haven't really thought about why am I thinking about this so much for so long? <laughs> yeah, I, I felt the same way too, Ashley, when she mentioned about the shift, because thinking back on our particular experience, as I said, my son is my oldest is 20. Um, Facebook did not become a thing for me until 2009. Uh, so that would have put him already at seven years old. Um, and then my daughter was born in 2007. So um, I, I'm just thinking like, we didn't really have phones, iPhones, iPods, or any of those things at all until probably around 2012, really, because I didn't have an iPhone. I was not one of those first adapters to iPhones. I had the typical old phone. Um, so I think there's a combination of things that come together, which is social media, um, parents using devices and bringing them into the home. So the kids will emulate the parents, parents looking at the devices as an option for educational, uh, games and connections in that way. And then of course, looking at the fact that our phones can, or our, our screens can connect us to other people. And especially as homeschoolers, I do feel like we are comfortable in some ways tapping into that virtual world, but what makes I think our experience is unique as homeschoolers is that we also have choice to do other things and not just that part. So whereas when we talk about getting onto devices or worrying about being on devices, I always think about it as the forbidden fruit. So whatever you make forbidden or whatever you create um, worry around and 
and, and show that you're concerned without really walking through the whys, our kids pick up on that. And so if, if you're using it in some sort of way as like a, a, a treat or a, a reward, then what are they going to focus on? The treat and the reward and how to get there. So if we can use it more as a tool that's part of our everyday life and it's part of our current society and see it as such versus um, making it something that you can control and turn it on, on and off, then I don't think it becomes as big as um, as as we make it in our own minds. But that still doesn't mean that there aren't some questions that we should ask about them. So I'll, I'll leave it there because I think that the, we're going to probably pop into that a little bit more. But I do wonder if the the infiltration of social media into our lives is not sort of propelled the screen conversation forward a lot more. Yeah, I think so too. Haley, did you have anything to uh, add? I, I was just thinking about when you're talking about all those new, new devices like the iPods and the iPhones that, um, you know, and the the all the different gaming platforms that we have now, it just... Um, we, I've got four children. My eldest is 24 and my youngest is 10. Um, so we've been thinking about this for a long time. And I have an 18 year old son who is my most um, enthusiastic gamer, let's say, um, and most enthusiastic user of screens, I guess. And so when you were saying, Missy, I think you mentioned like 2012. And I'm thinking, yeah, that I guess that was about the time that we started thinking about screens a lot more because I guess that would have been when he got to kind of seven eight um and I remember my girls playing on um I think it was like a a, the first PlayStation somebody gave us one and my girls would play on it but they weren't they would play on it for 20 minutes or something and then they were like oh let's go and do something else and my my son used to he used to watch them and they'd say, do you want, you know, do you want to press the buttons when he was a little boy on the floor with his cars? And and he would be like, no, no, I'm fine and carry on. And then we got a wee, I think. And he um, and he and he just kept watching them and watching them. And it was so weird because he there came a point where they asked him and he said, um, yeah, he'd have a go. I can't remember how old he was, but suddenly he didn't need to practice. He'd kind of been practicing all this in his head <laughs> and he just picked up the controller and was kind of off. Um, which was which was one really interesting thing about it. But also I was thinking about the idea of screen time and we talk about screen time a lot. And I know a lot of the time we're thinking about gaming. But there are so many aspects of screen time and there are so many useful bits of screen time that we use. And there's one instant that always sticks out to us and we laugh about is um, an older relative um, was complaining to my eldest daughter, actually saying, would she get, you know, her nose out of her phone? And go and do something, you know, more stimulating. Why don't you read a book? And she said, well, actually, I am. <laughs> and it was kind of one of those moments where they kind of looked at what, what do you mean? And, and of course, she was, you know, she was reading something on her phone. So, yeah, screen time encompasses so many things, doesn't it? And I mean, I'm sure we're going to talk about that some more. But that was just a couple of things that stood out to me from what you were all saying. Yeah. No, I like that, Haley. I think it's so important to point out that everything we've kind of lumped everything under this term. Um, and I think, you know, Missy, what you were saying about the social media piece, I think too, we, we, as it's, it's, there's a bit of an irony that we as adults 
are on our screens so much talking about this, right? Like we, <laughs> social media and all this research um, has given us a lot more information and it feels like it's constant information and it can also feel um, contrary. Like one piece of information will be contrary to another. And so I just think kind of circling back maybe to where you started, Ashley, it is maybe like validating. We, I think we're talking about things we actually don't really know. This is all still so new. So we're kind of working with our own observations and the pieces of information that we're, we're getting. But I think it's okay to say we don't have all the answers on this, but we can talk about like what, what do we observe in our own families, right? And what have we seen kind of working for us in our family structure? Okay, so I have um, the first quote, Missy, is actually yours, and it's from your um, your blog post, Game On, which was so interesting to read. Um, so I'm going to link that in its entirety because I think it's pulling pieces out just doesn't really um, do it justice, but <laughs> I won't read the whole thing, so I'll just read a quote here. Um, and you're talking about uh, your son and his relationship to gaming um, a few years ago, I think. So you you say, saying yes to his invitations gave me multiple opportunities to see and play the video games he was so fond of. It also offered us time to laugh together, learn together, and bond over an activity he was an expert in. There is something quite powerful that happens when a child is given the chance to teach his skills to a parent he looks up to confidence boosting for the child and humbling for the parent (laughs) okay so that is so good and I'm just going to follow it up I then I skipped a little bit down your article and here's another one here because I think this helps with some of the questions that people have sometimes um so you go on to say were there times when we ran into issues surrounding video games yes and when issues arose I talked to him about my concerns If it was a game that felt questionable to me on a moral level, we looked at it together and I told him honestly why such a game bothered me. This created a dialogue that showed him I was on his side as a caring parent, but also a willing partner in providing space for him to safely explore. On occasion, he would decide such a game was not for him and move on. I love this article. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Because I think it speaks so much to relationship. Um, which is a big piece behind anything with our kids, right? Like we can make the this gaming or screen thing as big an issue as we want to, but there, it, the relationship relates to so many different pieces, right? So, yeah. Well, and, and, and part of that experience for me in the gaming world was an opportunity to put that relationship first over and over and over again, because that was one of my early mottos as a parent before we even decided to homeschool. Um, And the, the other thing is to, sometimes we add more problems that are necessary because we see our kids doing something and they're having a great time. And then we're like, should they be doing that? Shouldn't they be doing something else? aren't they causing problems somewhere down the line? So it's like, we're looking for reasons to be disruptive without really stopping to think, well, what is actually happening? So we can get, our thoughts can run away and allow us to project too far into the future and not live in the moment. And when he 
got interested in particular games that, like I said, I did find questionable. Some of that came about because he, we have older kids. We had older kids on, in the neighborhood and they were playing games and he would ask me about them. And, and so, of course, they were all very new to me. This whole world was new to me. So he invited me in and it required me to take some time. And it was OK. What I found eventually was that it was OK to let him know that I needed a few minutes to think about something or I needed more information. And sometimes it would be like, Mom, it's fine. I'm good. And I would trust that. And other times I would recognize that mm, I'm not sure because I I also would know maybe the circumstances where the games were being played or maybe a particular um, environment, if you will. And so I, you know, I needed to, I needed some time. And so I would just ask him for such. Now there were problems a few, a few times where he was really upset that I wouldn't let him do it right then and there. And, you know, looking back on it, that's just a tiny little piece in the big experience. But I think the reason I'm pulling that out is to just recognize that there's going to be challenges. And sometimes you're not going to do it the, what you would consider the right way when you have time to look back and reflect on it. So not to beat yourself up, to give yourself grace, to ask, you know, give your kids grace and recognize that, you know, you're learning together and, and always it's okay to go back and say, Hey, guess what? So I found out some more information. I feel more comfortable and I apologize for not trusting you from the beginning or whatever it is that you feel like you need to do to kind of mend and repair. Um, I'm not saying this gives us license to just be like, no, <laughs> I'll come back to you later, but, but more in that, like you said earlier, just the relationship side of things. Um, and then also again, that, that part of joining them. I mean, how much fun is it when we get into their worlds and we really see what they're excited about and learning and what brings them joy. That's to me, the biggest gift that our gaming or kids gaming experience can, can give to us is that we really do get to participate in their world. And then we also get to learn that we are not nearly as good at it as they are. <laughs> well, it makes me think when you're describing that, that process, Missy, the word that comes to my mind is like humility, mm-hmm. that your kids are seeing you um, you know, we, we don't have all the answers all the time. We don't have them about facts and we don't have them about, you know, these kinds of choices. And so them seeing that we're, that, that we're kind of in the midst of thinking about this, like, to me, it, A, it shows them we care so much, right? Like we, we care and B, it just, it continues to show them that we don't always know, like, this is something that we need to grapple with a little bit sometimes, um, and then sometimes that opportunity, as you said, to come back and repair a little bit and, and talk a little bit about, you know, I, this is how I was feeling. I've learned a little bit more, you know, for me, sometimes it was like, okay, maybe this isn't as bad as I thought, or I'm trying to look at it through a different lens. Um, and I think it can go the other way too. Maybe we, maybe we go down a road that's a little further than we wanted to, and we are able to have that conversation and, kind of enter into it that way too so I think I mean we want our kids to be able to be thoughtful about themselves and other people and so I think showing some uncertainty is is not a bad thing like yeah yeah I I, the bit I love in this quote as well Missy is the bit that you talk about the confidence boosting bit and I I really like the fact I mean it actually it was me that introduced Minecraft into our house because and it came from from a, a home education community 
people were raving about how wonderful Minecraft was for learning and like all these people seem to be having such a great time on it. And I, I mentioned it to my children and then we, um, you know, we went and did a bit of research, found out a bit more about it. And then I spent a long time with my son, especially learning about mods and Mm-hmm. I can't I can't remember all the different things that we had to learn about. And 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 suddenly, yeah, I was learning all this stuff and, and he was learning it. And then there was kind of a whoosh where my understanding just yeah, his understanding took over and, and he could. Yeah, he just, you know, it, I got lost and he got to a point where <laughs> where he was having to explain things to me. So I might be finding out the information for him, but then he was able to interpret a lot of stuff for me that I didn't really understand. And I think that's such a lovely place for our kids to be in, to have that chance to be able to share their knowledge and skills with us. And one of the things we, you know, we want, I guess, as parents is for our children to be responsible we want them to grow up and make good choices and make good decisions. And I think part of being responsible is about having um, having control and having some power over your life. It's really hard for you to to be responsible and to make thoughtful choices without being in a position where you can do that. Um, am I making sense? Sorry, yes. I just yes. said that I had back pain. No. That was my tens machine that just beat completely, oh, no. <laughs> completely threw me off. <laughs> what well, I would love, I love that part because as you were speaking, it just I feel like I have to share this. So with my son, um, his he was he's very into gaming to the point where he ended up going in to get an, a, a diploma in simulation and game development um, software or game development, and um, so he entered Fortnite competitions. He played Minecraft. He did the mods. We had like, I don't even, like you said, I forget the lingo, but we did it all. And, um, he actually has a timer or not. He has a timer and he has a pin, a lock on his phone that I have the code to. (laughs) So he's created his own boundaries with using his screen. And, and I find that to be such a great example of how when they are given the opportunity to explore and figure things out on them for themselves, then they create their own structure and rules for how they're going to engage with screens. So he now has, you know, I mean, he's 20 years old. He can do, he can play on his phone all day if he wants to, but he doesn't want to. And he also says, mom, here's my lock. I need you to, I'm going to give you this code and you can unlock it whenever I need a little bit more time. And he'll just come to me, you know, but this way he has those limits set. Um, he was also my kid who set his own alarm to get up because one day he slept till two and it upset him so much because he felt like he wasted his day that he was like, I will never do that again. So, you know, I think that's that living and learning, living and learning. And then, you know, they shift and they change just as we do. So I, I don't think that they're much different as human beings as we sometimes think that they might be just something to throw out there. Yeah. Um, Missy, that I, I love that example. And it reminds me of, um, my son who I think was 18 at the time, perhaps. And I invited him, it was like later in the afternoon, um, on like a Saturday and I invited him to watch a movie and he just said very cavalierly, he's like, no, you know, thanks. I think another time would be better. And he said, I've been he, he's really into bat, online basketball. So he said, I've been 
um, there's a tournament, like an online tournament tonight. So I've been like setting up teams and practicing today. And he said, I just really need a few hours without my eyes on a screen. So I'm going to go shoot baskets instead. And that I think is so similar to what you're talking about. Um, it's, it's not this coveted thing. It's, it's, he's aware that he wants to move his body. He wants to give his eyes a break. Um, and I thought that was just such an interesting example because every once in a while, our kids will see things and we'll be like, there it is, <laughs> right? There is that self-reflection. But the alarm thing was interesting too, because he almost was late for work one day. He had like a 6 a.m. shift and um, he never had that problem before, but he was tired and he didn't hear his alarm. And so, yeah, so he ended up getting a system. I don't know what it's called, but it, it lights up gradually in the hour before you're supposed to wake up. I had never seen it before, but anyway, he put that in place for himself. And those are the kinds of things, right? That it's like having those opportunities really do lead to them thinking, how do I want to do this differently? Or like, it doesn't feel good for me to be rushing out the door. So I want to do this a little bit differently. So, yeah, I think I think it can be. Sorry, Erin, I was just going to say in terms of in terms of being able to come to those conclusions, it's quite difficult to do that, really, without being able to freely experience those freely experience what it's like to be on a screen for too long, I guess. And and I think you mentioned it earlier, Missy, about the value of things. Once we start restricting things, then sometimes they they are artificially we're ramping up the value of them, making them kind of more special. And I guess if you think about being a child and you've got, say, an hour on on screens or an hour to play video games, whatever it is, it it can be quite hard to think oh, I might, or maybe I've had enough, I'll go and do something else. If you know that you are not going to get another opportunity to go on that screen again until Thursday or something, you're much more likely, I would imagine, to kind of milk that time for all it's worth and maybe try and get a bit more because you don't know when the next time you're going to go on is, or maybe you do know, maybe you do know you get an hour a day, but maybe to you that hour doesn't seem long enough. So I think it, it's really hard. You know, I can understand why a lot of parents feel that it's really important to to limit screen times. And I think it's really important that everybody has to do what they think is right for them themselves and their children and their family, of course. But I think there is some value in allowing our children to experience what it feels like to play for a bit longer. If that's what they're asking us for, then maybe if we let them experience that and see where it goes, you know. Well, and I, it's, it, there was a book I read years ago called the blessing of a skin knee. And it's the idea of if we're always catching our kids when they fall before they fall, they're never going to know what it feels like to fall. And I feel like mistakes and, and failures and, and running up against um, restrictions that we didn't realize that we needed to consider are all just experiences that allow us to shift and change. And, um, there was somewhere else I was going with that and I forgot. <laughs> Maybe I'll come back to it. It'll probably come back. <laughs> oh, I know what it was. So, so my son, um, once he became really into his gaming and he had got a gaming computer, he would be on particular games that were very time sensitive um, and also extremely intense. 
So sometimes I would knock on his door and go in and say, dinner's ready. And it would disrupt him. And to me, I thought not being able to go into his room felt odd. You know, that, that felt like a, I was having trouble with this idea of like, I can't come into your room when I want to come into your room. And, um, so we came up with a system and it was just more like, Hey mom, sometimes these games are very, you know, intense. And if you, if anybody comes in or it's, it's so we came up with a system and I respected that, but at first it took a few minutes because it was sort of like, wait a minute, what do you mean? I can't come in. And what, what do you mean? I can't tell you dinner's ready. So I think that's part of it for us too, that just because we don't play the game and we don't understand it doesn't mean it doesn't have value and it's not teaching them and giving them experience or even just allowing them to blow off some steam. You know, it doesn't always have to have some learning value attached to it in a way that we can then associate it with something on a curriculum checklist, you know, but part of that experience for them is the connection that they're making with people and also the challenges that they're giving themselves because they're able to get better at something and improve their skill set. And so it kind of continues to go back to that. Just look at the child in front of you and keep revisiting questions and, and, and talking about things when you run up against a challenge. Yeah, Ashley, I wanted to give you a chance to say, I know we've kind of been talking away here. I have a couple of Haley's quotes that tie in, but did you have anything you wanted to add? I am just loving all of this. <laughs> I'm sitting here listening. I have I have many thoughts, but I'm soaking it in. And I think the only thing, I don't think I have much to add that you guys haven't already said, um, but I just love and can re- relate so much um, to this idea of just putting that relationship first. Um, cause I really feel like when you're doing that, it's hard to go completely the wrong way. Um, and I just think about how, like what you were just saying, Missy too, about if our kids are showing us that like what, by observing them, we watch what they're interested in and what they go to. And if it has to be something on screens, whether it's games or YouTube, um, or, you know, um, messenger kids with, a, with another friend online, Minecraft, whatever it is. I'm very careful not to dismiss it. Like they're, they're interested in, I mean, I already, I, it's easier for me to see value in some of those things, I guess already. Um, But you have to take that time, I think, to really consider what is it that's interesting them in that? Like, what are they curious about? What are they gaining from it? And you can't do that if you're not spending that time with or around your children. Um, But I think even more than that is just, like I can kind of put myself in their shoes or like think back to my own childhood and whatever I was interested in. It felt so good when any adult, but especially one of my parents um, took the time to just join me, even if it was for a short period of time. Cause I remember going to my parents and I, rem- I can give a specific example. I used to it was like VHS time, right? So I would record, um, I grew up dancing and I would record these performances of like, you know, the Grammy performances and stuff. And my, my favorite singer or performer would be on and I would record it. And I did a lot of stuff like that because it's just an interest of mine, but I didn't want, well, I enjoyed doing that on my own, but I remember often going to 
my parents or even relatives or my parents' friends. And I, I just had, I wanted to show them. I'm like, come sit with me and watch this three minute performance. And I don't know why I remember that um, so vividly, but it meant so much to me when someone would just sit next to me and watch one of those performances. Like just as an example, there were other things too. Um, and, and sometimes it was like three, five minutes and it just filled me right up and it felt so good, like validated me or something. And so I think about that because I'm not a huge um, gamer. Like I've never been super into video games, Um, but Minecraft is such a good example because I've spent hours enjoying Minecraft with my kids. Um, Now they invite me to do other, um, like there's some Roblox games that, I'll spend time playing with them that if they didn't ask me, I wouldn't play, but I get so much out of doing it with them still. And I mean, I, I, I want to point out there's some games they invite me to do that. I am like, nah, I'm not, I'm not doing that one. I'll do all these ones, but I'm not going to do that one. But I think cause I'm involved in doing the other ones, I get so much out of it, but I also recognize that that's important for me to do those things with them because I think as parents, often we invite or even expect our kids to join us and do the things um, like sports is one that comes to mind. My husband's into sports, like that's his hobby. So he'll be like, come play basketball or come play hockey or, you know, come do this with me. And lots of times my guys will, but um one is starting to get into sports a little bit more. My older one would go through phases where he kind of had no interest. So I think as parents, you know, we want to connect with our kids and we're inviting them or expecting them to come do these activities with us. And that's great. And sometimes they will, and sometimes they won't want to, but I think it's really important that we're giving that time and space to join them in what they're inviting us to do. Um, Or if they're not um, clearly inviting us to just be present enough so that we can show interest in what they're doing. Um, Cause I know all kids are different. So it might not, you know, maybe they're not saying, oh, will you play this game with me? Um, but I can just think back to my own childhood and how like, and I don't think I had someone joining me often or maybe it just felt that way. I'm not sure. Cause I know my parents would join me. You know, they, they would, they would, uh, they would sit with me and watch those performances sometimes. Um, but yeah, I just, listening to you guys talk, I agree so much around that relationship piece. And it's not just, I mean, we do that with everyone we're in relationship with. I expect my husband (laughs) to spend some time with me or my sisters to spend some time with me, even just listening to me talk about something that maybe isn't their interest or passion. Um, And I certainly don't have high expectations that someone would spend hours with me doing something that doesn't interest them. But it's like that back and forth in a relationship. And I think our kids, especially, um, they need that. So yeah, I love everything you guys have shared. Oh, and and I I love what I go on, Missy. Well, I just want to throw this one thing out, which was that when if they're not inviting you, to ask questions about what they're doing and that you notice that they're having such a great time. Like, what is this about this game that you enjoy or what about this is um, making you so excited to learn more. And it just takes a couple of small questions sometimes. And then usually, like you said, they'll just open right up and have a huge conversation with you about it. So I just want to throw that out there. Yeah. What, and what I found is that actually sometimes it's something completely different to what I'm imagining Mm. might be going on. So for one thing that comes to mind is is um one of my children was playing a particular game and and I wasn't really sure about it and then they told me that one of the things they loved most was the music 
Mm. And I hadn't even heard the music <laughs> because I just don't think that that's <laughs> a strong sense for me, I guess. I was looking at the visuals maybe and I just didn't hear the music. And then when they pointed it out to me and when they played the music separate from the game and stuff, it was kind of, oh, this is really amazing that they'd picked up on that. And there were only short bursts, I guess, of the music. And then they used that music as, as music that they would then listen to when they were doing other activities and stuff. It was, um, you know, it helped them to concentrate and things like that. And, and, and another thing I know is um, often uh, my son particularly is really interested in kind of what's real or what could be real, what might happen in the real world and what doesn't, the kind of the physics and the history of the games and whether or not they kind of reflect our current reality or what's gone before or what might even be possible. And I think that's, you know, there are so many things that are going on when kids are playing games that um, are much more than you might, if you just poke your head around the door and have a look, It, it that's you know, there's a whole, whole lot else going on. And I think that's really surprised me sometimes. I just wouldn't have thought the things that they then tell me that they're enjoying about the games. Oh my gosh, there's so many different, <laughs> there's so many different pieces there. Um, okay, so, so Missy, just to jog back to the, and it's actually related a little bit to what each of you have said um, with the bedroom thing, because I can remember uh, it was like supper time and it was back. I mean, my kids weren't into like teenage gaming yet. They were probably like my oldest guy might've been 10 or 11 and they'd gotten into, um, I don't know if anybody remembers like Webkins and club penguin, those kinds of games. Okay. I don't even know if they're still around, but anyway, my guys got into that and I did the, you know, call for dinner kind of thing on a Sunday evening. And it was the first time that somebody said to me in a very kind of definitive, oh, well, I can't because we're just about to start a game. I'm like, but it's supper time, <laughs> right? And so he went on to explain to me that, you know, he couldn't, I, I, it was somebody in another time zone. And that was my, that was my first introduction to working with time zones. That was the other thing. It was somebody in like the Southern hemisphere and they were waiting. That person was now awake. And so they could, play and I was kind of like wow okay like and so I think when I think about even like family dynamics because so often we assume that it has to be one way or the other so either I get my way and I say that's it too bad you know supper's ready come on and join us um or I do my whole schedule around them which is not practical either when you have a number of people in the house so I think what what we kind of came up with was just this conversation about this new stage of connecting with people in other time zones and Haley maybe a little bit related to what you said like I started to understand there was a lot more even to something that seems as simple as Club Penguin or Webkins if they're working on something they're in the flow like they're in the zone and they're literally actually working towards something so that for us was an opportunity for me to learn a little bit more about what this whole kind of global gaming thing was was all about um and for them to understand some of the challenges of trying to pre prepare a meal and have people you know needing things at different times so I can't even really remember what we landed on except that we just started communicating about it so I think maybe earlier in the day I would just ask you know, like I'm thinking about supper at this time, this would work for me. It just became a conversation. Um, 
much in the way that it is about any number of things, right? Does anybody else need the washing machine? Because I had a load I was going to do a bunch of laundry tomorrow. It's actually the same thing. It's not one person has to get their way and one doesn't. It's just a conversation. We have this we want to do together. So, or that I need space for. So how do we kind of navigate that? Um, Ashley, the piece around connecting and people, you know, that feeling of somebody wanting to do something with you. Something I've been thinking about recently is the change in relationship for my kids with relatives Um, I'm thinking grandparents, but maybe in general, when that interest in gaming really took off, because when they were younger, um, people were happy to do things like play floor hockey and play a board game and kind of do those sorts of things. And I think because most, I'm, I'm stereotyping here, I'm generalizing, but a lot of older generations don't necessarily understand what's happening in video games. They're not good at it. I'm not good at it. I'm not, I'm not good at games. And so I think that some of their interests, um, it becomes a little harder to connect. So I always appreciate it when older people do take an interest in some of these things and understand there's a little bit more to it than just being on your phone or just sitting with a game controller and take some of that opportunity. to do that because I think I do think there can be like a bit of a loss of relationship there I I might be kind of off track but that's what it brought up for me is I just noticed that when the when the interest changed a little bit so did the connection so oh sorry Missy were you going to say something I you just bring up so many memories that that I feel like I just at least should say that um the interactive games like the Wii were amazing connecting uh, activities for our families across the generation. So my mother would play just dance with the kids and it was hilarious. And my grandmother who was in her nineties would bowl with the kids, we, you bowling and, or we bowling. And those are some of the, those highlight memories around gaming that allowed people from all generations to communicate with one another and to laugh and to have fun Um, so again, it kind of just goes back to that idea that because it's on a screen, don't automatically assume that it is not going to bring value instead, just kind of investigate it a little bit more. And then one more point about the, the gaming through the years. So when my son got into college, he had to write some papers and part of it in that gaming program that he was in. So he ended up writing a paper on the, uh, difference between Minecraft and Terraria so those were two very similar kind of blocky games. So he had to do this huge, like a six page paper with sources and everything. So, you know, he took it from the actual gameplay to the theory and the logic and, and, and how it was all built and created. So for some people, I know that would feel really good to hear <laughs> because it's like, oh my gosh, they actually did something with it. But it just speaks to that trajectory, I guess, of, of how, when you start with something what it can look like years later when you go back to it and revisit it. So yeah, to put that in there. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's interesting. I think you're right. I think that when people can hear about sort of, I want to see a finished product or something that's maybe like, it's about gaming, but it's a little bit more traditional because it's writing. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it helps them feel a little bit better. Yeah. Right. Um, 
Yeah. And I also, I love the Wii Sports idea because I also think that when kids see people willing to engage in what they're interested in that moment, they're way more open to also being open to doing something a little bit different that that other person or that older generation might um, suggest. And it just becomes kind of spending time together and figuring out what everybody wants to do rather than not feeling respected for their, their interests. Um, So Haley, you had a couple of quotes. Um, I'm going to link, there were a couple of articles of yours around screen time that I am going to link because I kind of, it was a little bit hard to decide. I wrote a couple of quotes down. Um, but just thinking about this idea around respect and kids having that opportunity, I think you even just said here in this conversation to feel what it feels like to even maybe be gaming a little longer than they maybe would another time or kind of get a sense of what that feeling is. So I'm just going to see what article this one is. Oh, this is, um, you had written one called What Worries Me About Fortnite and Nine Reasons Not to Limit a Child's Screen Time. So it's a bit of a play both ways. So you say, when our children are free of arbitrary limits, they learn more about who they are. They can play for hours and discover for themselves how that feels, rather than being told what to believe, or sorry, what we believe will happen. They can be open and honest about their challenges and seek support and guidance without fear of losing what access they already have. Without time limits, our children are free to play for shorter bursts and to turn off their screens without the stress of not knowing when they might be able to return. They can consider their own and others' needs without worrying what they might be missing out on. And by respecting our children's freedom and capacity to make their own decisions, as parents, we provide a powerful model of how to live in harmony and peace with others. Our children are children not driven to rebel, but feel empowered, supported, and connected, and in turn, more likely to respect the freedom of others and be confident in their own judgment. So, yeah, that just kind of, to me, draws together a few of the different things we've talked about. And the piece I really liked here, um, Haley, you said, when our children are free of arbitrary limits. And I think that word, it's like, it's just a word, but it's so key because it kind of goes back to, well, you know, even the piece about the mealtime, it's not just me saying, um, I need to talk to you about this a little bit, or sorry, it's not just me saying, no, you can't play after six o'clock. It's me saying, I'm trying to figure out how to make this meal work because dad's got to get up early in the morning and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't feel arbitrary. There's some reasoning for it and there's some conversation for it um, or sorry, just some conversation about it. And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck is that arbitrary piece, right? I should have rules, but I think when kids can see that they make sense and they're related to somebody else's needs, it's a whole different, I've experienced anyway, it's a, it's a different ball game. Yeah, and I think that that one of the things that came to my mind when you were talking before um, about, yeah, about considering everybody's needs is the thing when we put an arbitrary limit on our children's screen time, what we was what I was saying before about how maybe if you imagine how that feels for you and you don't want to give that up, if somebody else in the house might happen to need that screen or (laughs) then it then, you know, if people are clinging on tightly to it because they feel that this is their justified share and if they don't take it then they don't know when they're going to get it again 
we're almost dissuading them out of being generous and kind and compassion, compassionate to other people in the house. Whereas, whereas I think if it is more of an ongoing conversation and that they know that we're willing to, to, you know, be a trusted partner and a safe space for them to be able to, um, to give things up and know that they can get them back again later. That just that just leaves people more free to be generous. I mean, I'm thinking about times in the past with my children where they've been, um, you know, somebody's been playing something and then somebody else says that they'd like to have a go. And maybe in the past when we might have been more inclined to um, I don't remember us ever having particular limits, but we were, I guess, more inclined to to be to scoff about screen time and, and games. And, you know, it would be more like, well, it's dinner time. You know, that game's not so important before we kind of (laughs) began to think about that a bit more and respected the fact that you know there were you know they had reasons for wanting to do things that maybe we didn't know about at the moment before we got to that place there were a lot more fights about screen time there were a lot more fights about whose turn it was whereas when we began to get more peace with it I began to see lots more instances of people being much more generous and kind to each other and and seeing that perhaps somebody else needed some, you know, somebody else needed something um, more than they did at the time or that they wanted to be able to be the person who could, you know, who could say, no, you have it. It's your time. It's your turn. I don't mind. You go first. You know, if, if people are allowed to do those things without feeling like they have to, I guess we're more inclined to to do that I don't know if that made sense <laughs> no I think that makes a lot of sense oh sorry I heard one of you but was that you Missy no go ahead and say the scarcity mindset mm. yeah. yeah yeah I um it's making me think about that and think about how I will say to my kids now I'll say um what do I say I say like remember like mommy doesn't like to say no to you or mommy doesn't like to stop you from doing something that you want to do or continue doing something that you're enjoying I want to say yes um but I'm just thinking how like it does it'd be easier as a parent at times to just say no it's dinner time or no I don't approve of that game easier in that it's quick it's convenient right you can just I'm in control I'm the parent no um but I, I think like Haley, you're pointing out like that um, that can be problematic for so many reasons. Um, but one, like how is that kid's, you know, that child's not going to feel very good or very happy or feel like they're um, being like cared for or that their feelings matter. Um, so I'm just kind of thinking how like it does take maybe more effort or energy and it certainly takes more time um because I'm thinking about this because I know at the end of our days I'm often like man I'm so tired why am I so tired (laughs) what did we even do today right but it's it's that energy and that effort that we put into having those conversations like one I'm spending time thinking about this stuff I'm talking about this stuff um but then taking that time to say to sit down with my child and say I want to say yes to you. I see this is really something that matters to you, something that you want to do. Um, It's not working right now. Like that was really hard because I had dinner ready. That's such a good example because that's like a daily thing, right? When it comes to like food and maybe I don't want to be cooking all night or reheating food. Um, But taking that time is what I, I think I'm trying to highlight here is that it does take that 
effort to have those conversations, but because our relationships with our children matter so much, like at the end of the day, um, I think that there's so much value in that. And it's really about learning how to, um, you know, like uh, another thing I say is like, there's four of us living in this house and we all are unique and we all have our own wants and we all have our own needs and we, our job and like what we're going to do together is figure out how to um, fit all of that in as best as we can. And some days we're going to do that really well. And other days we're going to do really bad jobs because it's just not going to be easy. Um, but yeah, it does. It takes time and it takes energy and it can, and it's ongoing, right? It's not like you have one of those conversations once and you get it figured out. Like you might have to uh, revisit it, the same thing, or tomorrow it's going to be another thing. So I'm just thinking about the the effort and the energy that that does take from a parent's perspective and from the children too. We're asking them to have that conversation with us. And I've, um, the last thing I'll say is that um, I've noticed sometimes I'm ready and wanting to have that conversation to like problem solve or figure this out together. And for whatever reason, my kid's not there yet. They're not wanting to, you know, for lots of different reasons, they're too tired. They want to go off and play something else. Um, so it's also like finding the right time to have those conversations too, so that they can be like meaningful conversations where both people get to be um heard and it just it takes it takes uh, quite a bit of energy I find anyway to to do that ongoing with lots of different topics and Ashley when you're saying that it kind of reminds me of the idea of um like you're building in grace kind of you're, you're building in the assumption that it's not always going to be perfect it reminds me of Missy's quote from the beginning and that idea of humility that it brought up for me it's like we're all working on this together we don't have all the answers, but we're, we're on the same team, right? We're, we're partnering, we're working together. And this ends our conversation today. We hope you found it interesting and maybe helpful. If you'd like to connect further or see additional content, Haley can be found on the web and on Instagram at taking a kinder path. Aaron can be found at Everlearning, And I, Ashley, can be found on Instagram at Ashley as mama and at Storytime Shelves. We'd be very grateful if you'd share this conversation with anyone you think might appreciate it. Thank you for your time today.